Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. It is the Season 2 finale of the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast Justin Cuthbert and Julian McKenzie. Now, there might be another podcast somewhere in there, but this is the last scheduled program, certainly between uh, yourself and me, Julian. Uh, It's been a great year. Looking forward to closing it off. Looking forward to you continuing on with what has already been a hot start to summer for Julian McKenzie. The socials are on fire. Uh, It looks like you're already having a lot of fun. And I want to get you there even quicker if you you know, tie the loose ends on all these jobs you have. Uh, I want to do my part for that and get you into full summer mode. We're, so uh, we're almost there. You, we're Justin. almost there. We just got to get through this. And you and I are, are pretty much, uh, you know, Tony Soprano on the inflatable in his own pool. So uh, I'm looking forward to that as well. Man, uh, summer mode already activated. Last summer, I worked a lot. I worked hard. I worked really hard last summer. And I probably didn't relax as much as I should have. This summer, you know, I've committed to ensuring that I will relax. I will take time off. I will go on little mini excursions whenever I can. Maybe not any big ones. I see people going on Europe trips and stuff in the States. Like, you know what? I'm good with my little run to Quebec City. I'm going to do that soon. I was in Ottawa this weekend. I was at the uh, the Blues Fest. Uh, watched Rage Against the Machine and and, and the Drools. Rage Against the Machine live, bro. Super incredible. Zach De La Rocha hurt his leg in a show like how many nights ago? Mm-hmm. And he's still doing this tour. Like at the beginning of the set, like you hear him like rapping and going off. And these two guys are like carrying him onto the stage, onto this chair. And he's just going off, doing all the hits. We got Bulls on Parade. He closed with Killing in the Name. Sleep Down the Fire. We, we got we got classics. I wanted Maggie's Farm. I didn't get Maggie's Farm. But he, he killed it. He killed it. But yeah, man, I, uh, I, I am enjoying it the summer so far no better pump up music than rage against the machine i had a really strange university uh ritual where i would listen to rage on the way to exams i don't know why that was a thing (laughs) but maybe i just did well once when it happened and i kept doing it and i got through university so thank you to rage against the machine uh we can both testify Mm, that's a good that's good that's good that's good I'm, uh, I'm trying out a pop culture reference. I'm usually reluctant, but we went for it and we succeeded. Uh, in the spirit of, you know, closing the door, I want us to close the door on the Johnny Gaudreau saga. Not for everyone, of course. I mean, people can debate about it and be upset all summer long if they want. If they're in Calgary, you have every right to do that. But I don't want to do the why Columbus question anymore beyond the next 
10 minutes. So let's just get through that. Let's speak now or forever hold our peace on Johnny Gaudreau going to Columbus. Uh, I don't think anyone was really like, you know, it it made sense in the moment. I don't know if everyone was like cool with it when it happened. I don't really know if it matters that much. Uh, But are we better with it now that Johnny Gaudreau is a Columbus Blue Jacket and has been for a couple of days now? It's his money. That's how I'm seeing it. And maybe maybe my thinking of it is a little rational. Maybe it makes sense. Maybe it doesn't. But it seemed as if to everyone else who was very invested in this story that Johnny Gaudreau was, had expressed an interest on being closer to home. And that's mm-hmm. why markets like Philadelphia, New Jersey, and even the New York Islanders, when it was announced that the New York Islanders had an in on him, none of us were surprised about those three teams being in on it. I am not a geographic, uh, no, I'm not a big whiz at geography, <laughs> but Ohio is kind of like Midwest. Am I, am I wrong? Like it's, it's not yeah, directly fly over state, not all, you know, not on the Eastern seaboard by any means, but uh, I don't know when, when shows, when a show says, Hey, we're starting at eight Eastern, it starts at eight in Columbus. I think pretty sure. Okay. I think so. That makes sense. Fine. Sure. Maybe it counts as that. It, so my thinking is, Johnny Gaudreau, of course, wanting to go close to him, but he's not going to get underpaid. Wouldn't surprise me if his agent said, you know what? Let's try to get as much money as we can. Columbus was willing to put up the money. New Jersey probably might have been like, you know what? We can't do that tag. Philadelphia couldn't do that price tag. We know that for sure because Chuck Fletcher has them in dire straits. And Lou Lamorello probably was like, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. So left to Columbus. They're like, you know what? Let's do it. I am still stunned, however, that a player like Johnny Gaudreau, maybe he's not in the tier one of elite, super elite players, but a guy who is very much the number one free agent out there, a guy coming off a fantastic season, a part of the best line in hockey that year, still signed for under $10 million. That surprises me just as much mm-hmm. as the location. And I get that. You know, free agency is a time where a lot of GMs are realizing, hey, they do a lot of mistakes. But it's still a guy like Johnny Gaudreau who will immediately be uh, on a top line. You put him with Patrick Laine, that's that could be a deadly combination with whoever they have centering them. And he got and he signed for under ten. So in a weird way, as surprising as it is, like I mean, that still ended up being pretty decent, tidy business for Columbus. The fact that they can get a quality player like yeah. that who's available, who could easily set his own market at 10-11 ends up signing for under 10 at 975, even if he's just inches from 10. I consider that a win for the Columbus Blue Jackets. So maybe you can't tell me otherwise that money has to be a a big reason why uh, Johnny Gaudreau is where he is. But if Johnny Gaudreau is cool with it, if he's comfortable being in Columbus and being in that market, that's him. And and we should give Columbus some props, man. They've had a couple years where they've seen guys like Artemi Panarin and other big name players saying you know what we don't want to stay in columbus maybe there are other reasons for that but you must feel really good if you're a blue jackets fan and you might have had people telling you for the longest while like yeah columbus isn't the place people want to play and johnny gaudreau whether money driven or not he chose columbus he chose them and you'll be the face of that franchise for a great duration of that contract and if they end up being a legitimate team in that eastern conference he could be a big reason why these are the moves you make to help yourself become a legitimate team. And I think if you're a Cubs Blue Jacket fan today, you should feel really good about yourself. 
You definitely should. Uh, it's not going to be, I don't think they're going to be automatic competitors in the Metropolitan Division, no. excuse me, which is very, very strong. Um, but they now have something to build off of. They've had, they have some pieces in place, but now they have like an anchor to um, the rebuild that they're trying to pull off in this moment. And it's a huge, huge moment uh, for the Columbus Blue Jackets, that franchise, Jaromir Kekalainen, getting this deal done. But I think, you know, how we got to this point, it was that once, Johnny Gaudreau closed the door on Calgary. There were fewer doors open for him than I think he imagined. I think that's basically what happened here. And I think Philly's the the main reason there. I think Philly, um, with their mismanagement, their continuous mismanagement, they just couldn't even put themselves in a position to get involved, which is insane. But that's the reality. And if that was door A, then it made Johnny Gaudreau have to explore door B, C, D, E. And I think when you were looking at those doors, there wasn't anything that was like a slam dunk and it came down to other things, little intangibles. And I think everything we've heard about Columbus is that it's a good place to kind of fly under the radar, be comfortable, be happy, raise a family and be on the Eastern side of things. Uh, It might not be access to the Jersey shore, but it's on the Eastern uh, part of the continent. So um, I think he just weighed the pros and cons of each and, the pros and cons or the, the the list might have been down to just Jersey and Columbus. And it might be surprising because he's a native of New Jersey. But for some reason, he thought that it was a better fit in Columbus than it was New Jersey. And the reports about how he turned down a lot of money from Jersey apparently have been uh, uh, a little bit overblown. And maybe there wasn't all that much more money on the table for him there. Mm-hmm. So maybe he went out and got the most money and that existed in Columbus. So uh, I just think that it wasn't exactly what he anticipated when he closed that Calgary door, but that doesn't mean he didn't land in a great spot. And look, if he really wants to, he could probably, you know, go to an Ohio State football game, sit in the box, and nobody will like pry him and be like, oh, hey, it's Johnny Gaudreau. Like, no one's going to mm-hmm. look at him compared to like if like LeBron James wants to go there or something. I mean, look, Ohio State. Fine university, probably the biggest thing going down in Ohio if we're really being real, minus football. I I, I can dig it, especially with the uh, with the conditions for 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 Columbus. We also got to shout out Calgary though, because man, I feel terrible for those for those fans. Like I I I know that Johnny Gaudreau is a free agent, and he had every right to pick his shot. He had every right to go where he wanted to go. And he doesn't owe the city of Calgary anything, despite what some people may feel. But I think you're allowed to feel bad for Calgary Flames fans who, you know, believed in the core that was there. They legit, we, we talked about the Calgary Flames either on the podcast or on Zone Time, about how good they should be in theory. We talked mm-hmm. about how they should beat the Edmonton Oilers in the series. We were actually all wrong. The Edmonton Oilers ended up beating them in that series. I forgot about that. I just remembered that. And I remember just being bummed about the fact that the Oilers weren't going to get the best of the Flames and the exact opposite happened. And be, who knows? What would have happened if Calgary wins that second round series and they go to the conference final? And even if they lose to Colorado, maybe there's more belief in the core. Maybe there's more reason for Johnny Goudreau to stay and say, you know what? There's something building here. We can get over the top. Maybe Colorado might mess up something with trying to get everyone to stay together. There could be an opportunity in the West. I can't help but think of that second round series and the opportunity that they had that they essentially blew with the way that they played that series. Maybe it wouldn't have been a difference, but I can't help but think of that series. And ultimately, Johnny Gaudreau is saying, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm going somewhere else. Now you're thinking, well, what does that mean for Matthew Kachuk? 
What does that mean for some of the other pieces on this roster? Is tearing it down a legitimate thing for this team? And I don't know. If I was a fan, I'd, I'd, I'd feel so sick about it because Johnny Gaudreau meant so much to that team, and he is, had played as long as he did, and he wanted to leave. He, he, he chose his spot, and he ended up leaving. And he, again, his absolute right to. But I would just feel devastated at that, knowing that my team is not as strong. And uh, look, if they find a way to fill that spot and they get another piece that could be sufficient, that's fine. But I, I think of Calgary Flames fans. I've been thinking about them the last how many days. I would feel genuinely sad as a fan, knowing that he was a big reason why the team was legit in the first place. And now they have to figure out what to do uh, to keep themselves afloat for next year, to keep Matthew Kachuk happy, so that way they avoid the teardown. I mean, you could see it on Bradshaw Living's face during the press conference after yep. he looked beside himself. And I'm sure all those execs in Calgary were so disappointed. They were looking to give him all that money in Calgary. And he didn't, and he said no. Again, totally within his right to do that. But you have every right, if you're a Calgary Flames fan, to feel dejected and sad and disappointed. Don't put that out on Johnny Gaudreau because he's out here making decisions for himself. But you can feel sad. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks because you lose your star to Columbus and then you may, in fact, become Columbus where no one wants to stay. And all of a sudden that talent um, exodus starts to happen where everybody starts to use their leverage to leave. Now, Matthew Kachuk is in a brilliant position. I'm sure he would rather be running it back with Johnny Gaudreau and trying to win a championship this year. But now that Gaudreau has gone and he understands that more money is in the pool and he understands that there's an uncertain future in Calgary, he may, in fact, use all the leverage, pull on every lever, lever and not only find himself uh, on a different team soon enough, but with a lot of money in his pocket before then because he holds a lot of the cards right now. So Calgary's in a really difficult spot. That's probably why they didn't do much on free agency because they're kind of just, uh, they're probably shook right now. They're probably a little bit of paralysis going on within that management team, and there's not really much that they can do except try to chart a path forward, uh, the right path forward, now that Johnny Gaudreau is in a market many, many kilometers away. Um, it's, it's tough, and it breaks up what was a real Stanley Cup contender, a team that maybe just needed a few tweaks to beat the Edmonton Oilers and then maybe suffocate and stifle, or stifle uh, the um, Colorado Avalanche in a potential playoff matchup down the road. Like They were really close, but without Gaudreau, it seems like everything changes for them, and they might be better off going the same route that Columbus did, which was to accept that the superstars um, are on their way out, get what you can for who you can, and try and start again. It, it sucks that that happened, but uh, it's a real transfer of power with one player leaving one market and winding up in another. I just got to say this with Matthew Kachuk. We were talking about the Midwest earlier. There's one particular Midwest market, if I'm a Calgary Flames fan, that I would really feel nervous about with when it comes to Matthew Kachuk. Just... The St. Louis Blues? Is that on your that's, mind? Yeah, that's that's kind of on my mind. I don't know. Just yeah. maybe you find a way to continue your dad's legacy there. Maybe he stays in Calgary. But I I know for me, I would feel hella nervous about them yeah. looking to, you know, sweep him up. The thing is, though, two more years of control, right? Like one more right. one more year on his current deal and then one more year, um, you know, and. and unless he signs an extension to walk him to UFA. So that's a hell of an asset. 
I mean, that could be the Kickstarter for a rebuild. You let Johnny Gaudreau walk. And again, that's I, I can't really find much fault in that. Like, what are you going to do? Disrupt a Pacific Division leading season where you were the one of the best two teams in the Western Conference to trade Gaudreau for assets? Like, that's never going to happen. We Everything can be... You can look at everything analytically or, or in retrospect, revisionist history, whatever. That's just not going to happen. You don't give up on a season because there's uncertainty with a, with a pending unrestricted free agent. Uh, so I'm not going to slam Calgary for that. Maybe they could have read the tea leaves a little bit better. I mean, we've kind of expected this for a little while. But again, there's nothing really that they could have done. So they might want to get it in front of the next one. And they might want answers from Kachuk sooner than later. And Kachuk, cost-controlled. Uh, for the next two seasons and maybe beyond, if you can get a deal done, if he goes to somewhere that he wants to go, maybe that's the way you start that rebuild that is very Columbus-esque. But we shall see on that front, and we shall see with two uh, current unrestricted free agents in Nazem Kadri and John Klingberg. I was hoping that they would sign over the weekend and we could talk about these two guys and where they ended up landing, uh, but they look to be patient with it as they weigh their options. Um, little surprise they haven't signed. Little surprise that... They didn't get involved when it was a bit frenetic earlier in the week, but it looks like that's the chosen path for both these two players. What gives with these two, do you think? Why is why are these two um, holding on throughout the weekend and into this this upcoming week? And where would you like to see Nazem Kadri and John Klingberg end up? My guess is that both of these two players who are going to be 30 and above when the NHL season starts next year uh, maybe are asking or they're asking prices are enough to give GMs pause. Like they're a bit hesitant about the idea of committing so long-term to players who are closer to exiting their prime as opposed to entering their prime. I think John Klingberg is 29. He's going to be he's going to be 30 in August. Nazem Kadri is what, like 31? So going on 32, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I, I if I was a GM, I'd be very hesitant about giving any of those guys like five, six-year deals knowing that they're going to exit their prime a lot closer than them entering it. And because of the fact that GMs are perhaps, that's at least how I think is probably going down. But if they were hesitant, it wouldn't surprise me, at least in the case of Nassim Kadri, that if he stays and he could stay in, in, in Colorado, just at a much lesser rate. Mm-hmm. And maybe they figure something out with term. They ensure they, they put themselves in the position where they could still re-sign uh, Nathan McKinnon when it comes time. But yeah, at least in the case of, of, of Nassim Kadri, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he went back to Colorado. John Klingberg is more interesting because it looked as if there was a chance he could stay at the last second. And then Jim Neal was like, you know what? He is going to test the market. Then again, he could still come back as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think in those two cases, I think age and and the doors being open for both of those teams closing as well. I think I've got uh, like Kadri, like the Rangers and the Red Wings are two teams I thought would be really in on them on him mm-hmm. and they ended up picking up some some quality pieces at center specifically uh yeah. that kind of took them out of it so i i think it'll result in a situation at least with kadri where he could go back to colorado john klingberg maybe someone gets him on the cheap somewhere a team that needs a because he's a right shot right like someone could use him on the right shot uh yeah i that's why i think he might still go somewhere else but definitely not at the rate and term that he might expect i don't see any gm kind of pouring out at this point yeah, I wonder if the, the plan sort of backfired for Kadri because you mentioned uh, New York and Detroit. 
I mean, they moved, they made moves really early. I don't know about that Vinny Trocek move. I probably would have rather reserved that money for Nazem Kadri, but uh, they filled their hole very, very quickly. Um, and Detroit went out and signed, you know, three forwards worth upwards of $12 million, I think. And they kind of closed the window on Kadri there, at least it seemed like. So maybe some of these uh, doors closed on Kadri before he could generate that real bidding war between uh, the player or at least the teams that he expected to be players in his negotiation process. But I wonder mm-hmm. if that leads us back to Colorado, just like you said. I mean, I wonder if he could find a, a way to make it work there. I wonder if he takes a haircut uh, and he and he just dis- dis- decides that, hey, the grass might not be greener over here. I might not get that $9 million from the, the team that I really wanted to play for. So maybe let's go with seven, seven and a half and stick with Colorado where I can try to be a two or three times Stanley Cup champion. Um, so I, I think that's still a very distinct possibility. If I was handicapping it, I might put Colorado as the favorite right now because I don't really see an obvious option um, other than that. With Klingberg, I feel like this guy's constantly overplaying his hand. Like it's been really yeah. weird the past couple of years with him. Uh, trade requests, no trade requests, going to get dealt, wants to say all of a sudden. Like we hear just different things from Klingberg all the time. And then one of the recent things that we've heard is that he might take a um, short-term deal just to just to push his negotiation down the road. Maybe when there's more money in the system in a couple seasons, I don't understand why he would do that. This is a guy who got a pretty lucrative deal like right away. I don't think he lived up to what the expectation was in Dallas. Uh, I just feel like he's constantly overplaying his hand. And I think it would be a mistake to wait because this guy, you know, it's up and down with him. And if he ends up in a bad spot on a show me contract, I think Ottawa could be the, the right place for that. Um, because I think he could put up a lot of points there. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I feel like Klingberg would be making a mistake taking a short-term deal. Might be It might work out beautifully for him, but I feel like if Seattle was offering him a big, a big ticket, just feels like he should probably take the money, because I think that's, in the end, what he really wants. I guess, yeah. But John Klingberg, unfortunately, is uh, five years, maybe a bit older than what he would probably would like ideally want to be if he were trying to command attention on the market like the way he would like to. If Seattle ends up being that team or some other team that is well out of playoff contention but has oodles of, of cap space, I guess you take it. But uh, I wonder if how much Klingberg wants to win too and how much he would want to be in a market like that. I like the auto idea because they've mm-hmm. looked good this offseason. They have some pieces. They look like they could challenge for a playoff spot. I think if they add John Klingberg, you might be able to put them in that four hole in the Atlantic division pretty early. So why not do it? I mean, the I think only has one year left on his deal too. Like it could be a show improve year in Ottawa next year. Yeah. I think it would be like a rental if it was Ottawa because they, with that Josh Norris signing, like he was, he's in the same orbit as Brady Kachuk. It was kind of shocking to me. Maybe I'm sleeping on Josh Norris as a potential star a little bit. Like I know he's been very, very productive and they, they really like him there, but I was a little surprised that he got so close to the money that Kachuk and Thomas Shabbat are earning, but Pierre Dorian went out and spent a lot and he's got a, as you mentioned, signed to Brinkett. Uh, I would be a little bit surprised if they went long-term on Klingberg, but a one-year deal to sort of get them to the Sanderson years uh, would be very, very interesting. Um, if I would, if I could put these two players in two different markets, uh, like a dream scenario, I would go Colorado and Ottawa. Colorado, so I can see them run it back, and Ottawa, so we could see Pierre Dorian giggle at another press conference. <laughs> I just, I just, you got shot on Ottawa, man. Like all these years of them not contending. All these years of them being a joke. Um, 
they, they, they're they not they're not the joke right now. They nope. look pretty fun. There are people genuinely wondering if the Ottawa Senators are better than the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Toronto Maple Leafs <laughs> are going out the best season they ever had in the regular season. The Toronto Maple Leafs, who have a top two player in the National Hockey League. There are people wondering right now if the Ottawa Senators are better than the Toronto Maple Leafs. It is weird. It's probably still Toronto right now. But, like, it's, it's interesting to see that the Senators – have finally put themselves in a position where maybe we got to start taking them a little bit more seriously. I, I think it's been fun to watch them go through this offseason. Yeah, unless Matt Murray is like a legitimate sleeper agent, I'd probably still go Toronto, but uh, Ottawa is going to make things a lot more interesting in the Atlantic division. I'm, I got a soft, I, I don't know why I have a soft spot for Ottawa. I want to see Ottawa compete. I want to see them like actually have a chance. Uh, I got to, I, I want to see them. I want to see the battle of Ontario reignited. I want to yeah. see them be competitive. And Brady Kachuk is my probably my favorite NHL player. So, uh, really, I, I love Brady. I don't know why I love Brady Kachuk so much, Your but I'm a, I'm a huge, NHL I'm a huge, I'm a huge Brady, Brady Kachuk. Kachuk. You're just learning this. I've, I've been saying this a lot. Yes, I am just learning. I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, yeah, I am just learning. This. I think he's a great personality. What do we see at the end of last season? He was like singing karaoke in like an Ottawa bar. Uh, yeah. He plays the way I like players to play where he's uh, both a goal scorer and very tough and physical. He's uh, he's the complete package for me. If there's a five tool player, if the tools are both skill personality and all, all that stuff, uh, he fits all the boxes for me. Okay. Don't forget about the fact that he went to Calgary flames games and supported oh, his brother. Yeah. That I was mean, awesome. what, I don't even know why fun. I defend. I didn't even bring that up that I, I don't even have to defend my decision based on that. That was awesome. That's cool. I, you know what? That's, you know, I have no judgment on that decision. That's really cool. Uh, and, and he has showed himself as one of the cooler personalities. What is it like when he when he got uh, introduced by uh, the Sens after he signed that contract at the beginning of last year? Like he's showing up on the board and he's like all hyped up and everything. Yeah. He seems like a genuinely fun guy. And he Ottawa seems Sanders like, fans should yeah. be happy to have him. He seems like the guy who enjoys the fact that he's an NHL player the most. And yes. that's probably the secret to this to like my why he's endearing to me is that he loves what he does. And he's very, very entertaining. So I'm a big Brady Kachuk guy and a low-key Ottawa Senators guy. I hope they can uh, compete for a playoff spot in the Atlantic Division. Just peeling back and I, I, I love Pierre Dorian, too. Like, this guy, yeah. his, his self-satisfaction after signing Clojure, like, it was my favorite part of free agency day. Like, he was so happy, and he's just, like, he's a goofy guy. I love, I like him, too. Shut up, Pierre. Like, Look, the last how many years have been tough for a man with yeah with with Eugene looking over his back. Remember when he had Pierre Maguire in the front office? Shout out Pierre! Uh, mm-hmm. Like he's you know he, it's been a little tough. He's had to go through some lean years. He has an opportunity to laugh at people. Remember we were laughing at him how many years ago when he said we're a team. He can actually laugh at people if this works out and say we're a team and actually exactly. put some emphasis on that statement. Like it, it- could work. His jubilee, like he can't hide. He's like Brady in that he can't hide his like enjoyment when things are going well. That's what I like about him. Like he's not like a poker face guy, and he's not like trying to be tight lipped and respectful. Not not that he's disrespectful, but like he's just more of a personality than more most GM. So I like him for that. My favorite Pierre Dorian story. I think I've told on this before. I think it was like after like a Senators Canadians game. 
we were like heading all the journalists were like heading into uh this elevator and we're all trying to cram and we're all trying to like get in and like pierre dorian's trying to like get in with all of us and he can't get in he's just literally the only guy left on the outside looking in and we just hear him like muttering and grumbling to himself <laughs> everyone inside's just laughing because everyone found a way to get into this elevator down to the press room except for the general manager of the ottawa senators so it was it was it was that's that's a moment that will stay with me but yeah he's 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 funny Hey, if they build themselves a new arena, maybe he can get involved in the floor plans, give himself his own little private elevator down to wherever he needs to go. I mean, Pierre Dorian's got that sway now. He's got that. He's got Claude Giroux. He's got uh, Cam Talbot. He's got Alex Debrinkat. He's he's got a lot of pull now because he's had a great offseason, as you mentioned. I think if there is one big surprise so far of the offseason, I guess there's a few. But one that sticks out to me that's not really discussed as much is the fact that Andre Palat just left the Tampa Bay Lightning. Wound up in New Jersey. I think pretty good, uh, pretty pretty important acquisition for that young core, which probably mm-hmm. needs a little bit more stability. I'm sure Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, it's, he's going to be a pretty good complimentary piece for them. But I am surprised that he's straight because everybody else over the last few seasons in Tampa has found a way to stay. And I thought Ryan McDonough would be the sacrificial lamb and that Andre Platt would be able to stick around with the, uh, I was going to say two-time defending champions, but those days are over. So uh, yeah, a little a little interesting to see uh, Palat move on. You have any hot take on uh, his move to Jersey? Um, maybe it's just the fact that he just th- saw this as his opportunity to make big money somewhere. That has to be the only thinking, right? This is a guy who was like a late round draft pick. Uh, found his way in Tampa. He only had John, pretty much John Cooper, like coaching him up from the HL up on up, like. Maybe this was just an opportunity for him to make that big money that he wasn't going to make in Tampa. And the fact that he's won all those cups in Tampa Bay, he could always go back and try to run it back and avenge last year. But maybe he doesn't have to, maybe he doesn't feel that pressure. So, an idea, so the idea of him going to another market that was going to pay him as much, yeah, maybe that enticed him more. I don't have any scintillating or, or incendiary hot take, but I just think it's just Andre Palat realizing this was the opportunity for him to make big money elsewhere. And, New Jersey just happened to be the place. Yeah. I wonder if the Nick Paul thing closed the door Um, because Nick Paul signed a pretty, a very modest deal. And maybe they realized, Hey, if it's one or the other, we can get Nick Paul done for seven years at just over $3 million. Maybe it's like, Hey, we got a low ball plot and then probably move on. And uh, they've moved on. They filled some roster spots. They, they jumped at Nemesnikov, giving him two and a half million dollars on a one-year deal. I mean, they're still going to be, they're still going to be just about the same team. But Ryan McDonough and Andre Palat were like, they were part of the heart and soul of this team, like beneath that first layer, that first layer that we always talk about. The second layer, Palat and McDonough are pretty important to that. So we'll see if that affects Tampa when we get to the playoffs next year. Palat was as important in this run as I think he was in the previous two. He was very, very good for Tampa, but he was very, very good and in a big role, probably because Braden Point uh, wasn't around. So you know, we'll see uh, what happens here with Tampa Bay. We'll also see what happens with the Leafs, who, of course, lost to Tampa. Uh, they made only one move of real substance, uh, and it happened a couple days after the, the uh, free agency open, uh, uh, window opened with Callie Yarncroc joining on a four-year deal, uh, just over $2.1 million. The guy is going to earn between 2 and $2.1 million for 10 straight years at the NHL level. His six-year $12 million deal, one of the strangest deals ever signed in NHL history. Just so weird that a guy would accept $2 million a year 
for six years, even if he understands his limitations. But anyway, he will fit in on a third line, maybe second line as more of a shutdown defensive specialist guy. And the Leafs have really invested in that third line function over the last few years. So he feels like a pretty understandable move for Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas, who really value that ability to shut down the opposition and, of course, accentuate their top two lines. But I wonder if that was the move, because there's still a big Ilya Mikheyev-sized hole on that second line and an impact winger uh, for John Tavares and William Nylander, who have proven to be sort of incompatible, at least over the last um, over the last couple of months of the season. So I wonder if this is the only move, the right move, and if it's going to work out beautifully for the Leafs. I, I still feel like the Leafs have to make some kind of big swing out of nowhere to find that winger, that impact winger. Um, maybe they do it through trade, but I, I like the yard croc signing, especially if he's going to help out defensively for them. Because we saw that at different points in that first round series where the Leafs could show that they could play well defensively and they need that type of play uh, to get through a playoff run. So if yard croc is able to help them out in that aspect, I think it's an ideal signing. But if they want to fill that Ilya Mikheyev spot, I'm rooting for the Leafs to, you know, make some kind of big trade, kind of get the fan base kind of reinvigorated because I don't think they've been all that inspired with some of the moves they've done lately. But I think if you make some big swing out of nowhere and you put everybody on notice, obviously it has to be sensible. Don't just do the move just to do the move. But I, I think Kyle Dubas has to have some other trick in his, in his, in his bag of tricks that he could just pull out and just try to find a way to make it work to fill in some of the other spots. This is a very run it back move. Like there is no more run it back move than this. This is replacing um, basically just replacing Ely McKayev's salary. It's a slight increase on what McKayev was making the past few seasons. Uh, But it's basically just saying, hey, let's bring in another um, reliable two way guy. Uh, He's not going to give us much offensively. He's definitely going to give less than McKayev offensively. I think he only, I don't know if he scored a goal for the Flames during their run. I don't even know if he scored a goal at all for them. I remember there was that point like he just, he hadn't scored, I think, yet in in Calgary. Maybe got one late goal against the uh, Oilers uh, to finally break that streak. But that's not something he's going to offer is reliable goal scoring. And I do wonder if they have enough of that. I mean, clearly they got the... They got the Rocket Richard Trophy winner, two-time Rocket Richard Trophy winner, and a lot of goal scoring beneath that in their second line. Um, But it has been an issue outscoring a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning in previous postseason opponents because they don't necessarily have that depth of scoring. So, uh, you know, I understand why having a shutdown line is important, but I understand that the Leafs still seem reluctant to make that big move to sort of understand that money could be allocated better elsewhere uh holding on to players like jake muzz and william nylander uh not wanting to make that big move with a player that does still have value and could help optimize the roster so we shall see what happens to the maple leafs there could be a move forward uh down the in, in the summer here but again if it looks like last season it was a great regular season i think yarn Kroc can continue that it's just what's going to happen when it matters uh the most that's all that matters in leafland the move that matters in Montreal was Jeff Petrie to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Explain this one to me because it seemed like the nothing much came back in return for Montreal, who of course wants assets. And they actually threw in a kicker with Ryan Paling, who I guess didn't necessarily pan out with Montreal, but I was a little surprised that it just seemed like they were doing a solid to Pittsburgh. Am I wrong there? Well, I don't, I, I actually don't mind it for Montreal because they wanted to offload Jeff Petrie. 
Yeah, uh, Ryan Paling, I guess I can I can understand why people interpret him as a sweetener, but he was also going to be expendable, especially with all those centers that are on the Montreal Canadiens right now. And depending mm-hmm. on who they might add in the coming days, if that comes to fruition. I'm talking about the Pierre-Luc Dubois rumors, obviously. So, yeah, I, I can understand why those two guys would go. But they save money. They get a defensive in Mike Matheson. I think I spoke on this podcast about how if the Canadians are going to start all those young players on D, like Caden Gooley and Jordan Harris, that might cause a bit of a of an issue. You might mm-hmm. you at least want like a, a, a more senior defender up there. And I think Mike Matheson could do that. Uh, I feel like maybe people could interpret the other way and say that they're the Canadians are do, were done a solid here because of some of the cap savings, at least like one and a half million done okay. between the two defensemen being swapped over. They add a draft pick as well. Yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily see the bad in it. I will say this for Pittsburgh Penguins fans, though, because apparently a lot of Penguins fans don't like it because of the salary that they're bringing in and the fact that Jeff Petrie is yet another player over 30. Petrie is still a player who can put up points, can log a lot of minutes, He's able to move the puck around. He had a bad stretch of games last year at the Montreal Canadiens. It happens. I think he could still be of use, especially on a Pittsburgh Penguins team that they are as aged and experienced as they are. But if they get goaltending right, they are a team you do not want to mess with. And I think Jeff Petrie could be a part of the solution in Pittsburgh if it works out for them there. So oh, yeah. I don't hate it for either side. I love it for Pittsburgh. I think Jeff Petrie is still a quality defenseman. I think... Um, the situation was untenable for many players in Montreal last year. Like it went from we're playing in the Stanley cup to now we're non-competitive and we don't like our coach, at least, at least I, I think, uh, and we're moving on to a different regime and we're turning over the roster. Like how is a Sherratt or Petrie supposed to react in that, in that sort of situation? Uh, I just think it was time for him to move on. I'm surprised it didn't yield maybe a second round pick in return, to be honest. Yeah. But I think it's a big move for the Penguins who need to be better on the back end. And of course are saving a little bit on Evgeny Malkin coming into next season. So there's a little bit more money to spend, but of course they're not a perfect team either. And you got to be careful with every dollar that you spend. Uh, but Jeff Petrie, I think can play a pretty sizable role for the Penguins next season. Okay, Julian, let's do um, best and worst off seasons. Just like, you know, cursory stuff. You don't have to go too detailed into it. We're not going to hold you to this. But your nomination for the best off season so far, NHL-wide, because, you know, we did winners and losers for the draft night, winners and losers free agency. We can kind of combine everything now. And there's been some deals since we've uh, doled out praise and uh, condemned teams for their moves. So overall, looking at it as a whole, but not, you know, getting too hung up on it. What jumps out to you? as the team that says the best and the worst off seasons to this point. Ottawa gets best for me because of the moves they were able to swing, uh, getting Alex to offloading Matt Murray, getting Cam Talbot, who I still think is a pretty good goalie in this league. All they need is a right shot defenseman. And that's almost as perfect as you can get in terms of going through your checklist and, and getting it done right. There are people who go to the store all the time who don't even get everything that they necessarily want. Jerry <laughs> Torian's able to do that for, for his offseason. That's just going to be downright perfect. But I think they've already done enough to warrant the title of best offseason. Um, since we're going, I guess, more general, if it was going to be like worst offseason move, I was actually going to do a thing where it was going to be like Columbus had the best and the worst move because they were able to get Johnny Gaudreau at under mm. 10. But I don't understand why you signed Eric Branson for a four by four. Maybe because he's Johnny's buddy. Maybe. That's entirely possible. Uh, but I won't give Columbus the worst offseason. I think Calgary is deserving of that. I think just with 
them losing the star player and Johnny Gaudreau and having to pick up the pieces after that. They're kind of looking like a cat with its tail between its legs right now. They, Everyone is out here just wheeling and dealing, making moves, and Calgary's just kind of sitting back on the wall just like wondering why that girl they were trying to hit up wouldn't text them back. Like, I feel bad for Buddy on the wall. Like, it is tough out here to be a Calgary Flames fan. So worst off-season move. We, we've seen we've seen a friend at the club who is like they thought they were getting that person they wanted to be with, and it just didn't work out because they ended up going to somebody else. And you're wondering, well, why them? Not be Why? Why? Like, that's, that's Calgary right now, man. They in the that club, they're down bad. Uh, I've been there, Calgary. Been there. Been there. You'll, you'll, you'll get over it. You'll get over it. Damn. You'll find someone new. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you to come up with a best and worst B because, you know, we talked a lot about Ottawa, talked a lot about Calgary. So I'm going to try and Sorry. stray from those, and then I'm going to let you jump on the back end as well. I think Washington deserves some credit for its offseason. Like, they honestly added, like, a second line and a new starting goaltender, and they didn't really have to give up much to do it, which was pretty impressive getting Connor Brown, um, Dylan Strom, um, and of course, Darcy Kemper as their new starting goaltender. So they should feel better. I don't, I like, I'm not sold on Kemper per se, but they should feel better probably about their goaltender being able to compete right away because Samsonov just wasn't on the same timeline. It seemed as like Ovi and Backstrom and so on and so forth. Now the Backstrom's out for the start of the season, maybe able to come back. You're coming back to a team that now is going to give you, uh, a, more players to play with in the top six uh, with Brown and Strom. I think they did a, a nice job, but I'm going to give my best off season. I think we're going to go Carolina because yeah. they, they were one team and talk about not having to give up anything. They literally plugged two real sizable holes with former and potentially current all-star players uh, and didn't really flinch. I mean, they weaponized cap space unlike any other contender can really do because they were just able to take on uh, big contracts, big names, and guys that can make a difference for them. I mean, they've run into the same wall over and over and over again in the postseason. They don't score enough goals. Max Pacioretty used to score 30 in his sleep, has 40 potential, and can give them what they've been without in the postseason if it all works out. And then Brent Burns, if I'm thinking about a player who might be the best compliment to Jacob Slavin, it might be Brent Burns. I mean, he can, he is a rover. He's not a defenseman. He is a rover. And if you're playing with a guy like Slavin, who is so, so responsible defensively, maybe the best defensive defenseman in the game right now, uh, and you pair him with Brent Burns, you can let him fly. You can let him do his thing. And that will equate to more goals. Hopefully he was still a workhorse at age 37, age 36, I guess, last season for San Jose, a bad team. We forgot about him because he'd be playing on a bad team. But I think Brent Burns and Max Pacioretty can really change things for Carolina. So I think they've done a wonderful job and they deserve to be in the running for the best offseason. The worst, I mean, you could go to Vegas. What have they done? Nothing but bleed more assets. Pretty bad. Chicago, obviously bad, but at least productive. I might lean Vegas because they're just, I mean, it's all blowing up in their face. And it continued by having to just give up, not only give up Pacioretty, but Coughlin as well, like they're, they're, they're pretty jacked about Dylan Coughlin there uh, yeah. with the Carolina hurricanes. I didn't even mention him. They're, they're pretty pumped up about that move. And that was a sweetener to get out of the Pacioretty contract so that Vegas can just ice a team that now has far less goal scoring on it. Uh, they already gave up on Evgeny Dadanov earlier in the off season. 
they're in a rough spot, Vegas. They're just not as good. And it's because they dug themselves into a massive, massive hole that they're only trying to scratch out of now. So those are my nominations and I'll let you uh, bookend things here for us. Okay. So I will say that Chicago will take the L just, I mean, they have been, sometimes you can be productive, but sometimes you're not necessarily doing it as productive as you should. People are still scratching their heads over the Alex Dabrinkit return. A player like him, you're talking about scoring 30 goals in your sleep. Alex Dabrinkit could probably do 40 in his sleep and you're only able to get to get mm-hmm. the assets you were able to get back. That's a guy who I think they should have been able to command more. You take on Peter Morazic's contract. Uh, it's still a little bit surprising to me that they were willing to do that, even if it is in the name of losing games. I don't know if they necessarily should have put themselves in that situation. Uh, Kirby Doc, I think that move, I mean, I can understand he wasn't necessarily panning out that well for them. Uh, still a bit surprised that they gave up on him the way that they did. And they still have two sizable players and personalities and Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane to deal with. And they still need to do that. So I'm willing to give Chicago the L. Carolina would have been my pick for, for best offseason because of the mention, because of the reasons you said. I think the fact that they were able to add Max Pacioretty and, and, and Dylan Coughlin for future considerations, like that's basically nothing until it comes time for them to, you know, with the whole it's future nothing. considerations. It's thing. nothing. It's basically nothing. Like they look, I mean, I don't think we're talking about them as much as a team that uh, act legitimately, I think they got better. Uh, they did lose Vinny Trocek to the Rangers. I still think that's a bit of a of a loss for them, but I still think the Carolina Hurricanes, with the situation with the situation that they have, they still appear to be a good team. I could also link Washington as well with the players that they've added. They they look really. They, I, I I don't know if they're going to necessarily you know light it up and if, and and you know kill teams, but mm-hmm. they look a little better. I like the Dylan Strom move. I like them adding Connor Brown. The Sens need to offload him and Darcy Kemper between the pipes for them. They have a sure thing in net and they don't have a situation where they were going back and forth between Vitek Vanacek and Ilya Samsonov. They have a sure thing in net with Darcy Kemper. So a bit of a toss up since you picked Carolina, I'll give the, I'll give the W to, uh, to the Washington Capitals. When it comes to losers, you could just look at the bottom end of the metropolitan division with the exception of the Columbus blue jackets, of course, unless you really, really hate the Eric Branson deal, which I guess it's fair to hate. Um, But the fact that the Islanders well, I mean, even if they've signed people, like maybe Kadri and Klingberg have signed and they're just with the Islanders and it's in a drawer somewhere and they're not allowed to speak all summer. <laughs> Who knows? But the Islanders just being on the sidelines, the Devils not getting Gaudreau, the Flyers being the absolute mess that they are and not even having the ability to go after a player of a superstar caliber that actually wanted to be there. Those are huge losers as well. And I think you could chalk up the Florida Panthers as losers. And that gives us a chance to segue into our next discussion here, which is to talk about the Atlantic division and just give an early ranking for the Atlantic division, because we both work in Atlantic division markets. And I think there's a potential for a lot to change here with Florida losing both players. They gave up first round picks to acquire with Claude Giroux and Ben Sherratt leaving and also seeing Mason Marchment walk out that door. I mean, they're not as good of a team and there's talks about trying to deal Mackenzie Weger, who's been really good for them, but I thought yeah. he struggled in the playoffs. I, I don't know. It just seems like they maybe went that Vegas route and built it up a little bit too quickly. And now they're going to be uh, having to react in a negative way just to stay on track. So I think it's worth pondering what the Atlantic division could look like next year with Florida, maybe dropping Boston, maybe dropping. And then teams like Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa, all getting better. So if you had to rank these, Let's do it one by one, just to mm. give ourselves a little chance to consider as we go here. Uh, if, you had to t- if you had to pick 
Atlantic Division winner for next season right now, who would you choose? Okay, so I, haven't, um, I also haven't mentioned Tampa Bay, the team that's went to two of the or three of the last three Stanley Cup finals, won two of them. They are also in the Atlantic Division. I think I'm going to pick Tampa. I think uh, they have, they're going to have a little bit more of an opportunity to rest. They're still a very good team. They're still expected to make the playoffs. I'll have them atop the division as a division winner. Uh, yeah, it's just for me, it's the goaltending. I think just looking at them compared to Toronto. Uh, and I get like, you know, that matters a little bit more in the playoffs as opposed to the regular season. I don't know if Toronto looks as good as they did last year as a regular season team. And I think that's enough for Tampa Bay to rise up and win the division. I think that Tampa would be my pick as the, even if we're not even going to look at it for the sake of like looking at a division winner, Tampa, I think objectively is still the best. Like if they all, all eight teams in that division, went through a playoff run, we would expect Tampa Bay to go the farthest of all eight teams. So I will say Tampa Bay is the best team in that division. I'm going to take Toronto as the uh, Atlantic division champions, because I think they're going to have a repeat of last season where they were so good, won a ton of games, but you still saw the flaws where you're still like, oh, the goaltending is not good enough, but Austin Matthews just scoring a bunch of goals and making up for it. Like, I feel like they're setting themselves up for the exact same season. And for that reason, I don't know if they get to 115 points, but I think they might get to 112, 113. And they re- and they don't repeat because Florida won it, but they move up one spot and just barely get by Tampa, who we know can just kick it in third gear and just be like, yeah, we're, we're good. We'll just, uh, we'll just win the games that we need to win. And those are the ones that happen in the playoffs. So I'll go Toronto one, Tampa two. I'll go Florida three. But I think there's a pretty big gap between Toronto and Tampa Bay and the rest of the Atlantic division next season. Who do you have third? Okay. I have, so I have Toronto second and Florida third. I, I more or less the same thing. I think with the losses that the Panthers have had, they lost a lot of bite last season was supposed to be a really big year for them. And they really fell short. I, I feel like that hangover might follow them through into next year and Toronto, even though, you know, there are a lot of questions with the goaltending tandem that they have. They're still front loaded enough where they should be able to go through the regular season and win a lot of games. So, yeah, I, I, I think we have one and two just kind of switched and we have the same third. So I have Tampa, then Toronto, then Florida. Who you have four? That's where it the gets Ottawa Senators. Right? The Ottawa yeah, I'm, Senators. I'm Ottawa, I'm Ottawa too. I'm all in on Ottawa. I'm picking you know, Ottawa this know. year. <laughs> I'm in it. I think this is the year they get a wild card spot. At the very least, they should challenge for a wild card spot this year. They look fun. They look interesting. I genuinely want to watch Ottawa Senators games uh, and and see what this core is able to do this year. So yeah, I I think they're going to be in four. I don't think the Boston Bruins are necessarily going to make a step up this year, especially with the uh, uh, with them getting rid of uh, of Bruce Cassidy as head coach. And I mean, I'm sure they'll get back uh, uh, Patrice Bergeron and, and uh, David Krejci. Looks as if they could be coming back, mm-hmm. but I don't know if that necessarily makes them, you know, like like really good. Like I think it makes them like a fine team that'll challenge for the playoffs. But I don't. I'm not sure about these Boston Bruins this year. I don't feel they necessarily made themselves all that much better to keep them in the playoffs. And Brad Marchand missing, I believe, the first through two three months of the season with the uh, offseason surgery. So I, yeah. I mean, I think they're going to be trying to get back into the race that they fall behind. And I think Ottawa just hangs on and finishes ahead of them. It's going to be hard for five teams from the Atlantic Division to make the playoffs with Carolina, the, the uh, Rangers, Penguins 
Capitals and Blue Jackets, maybe the Islanders as well. Um, so that might be the difference between a playoff spot, but I think Ottawa is going to sneak into the four spot, Boston five, and then I think it's Buffalo next. I think Buffalo is going to be really competitive as well. Uh, I think there's not going to be much separating Boston, Buffalo, and Ottawa in the four through six region, but mm-hmm. Buffalo just doesn't quite have that top end talent yet. They're going to be, they're going to play, they're going to, they're going to win a lot of games this year. Uh, I'm pretty confident in that, but I don't know if they'll be able to separate themselves. They're just going to be a well-coached team that, that shows a little bit more progression, but not enough to make up. Like they finished what 20, 32 points out of a playoff spot last year. So a lot to make up, it's even more to make up for Ottawa, but I think Ottawa added the talent that Buffalo's still looking for. And I hope for Buffalo as they go through this year, because I think they're going to be competitive too. I hope that whoever, like everyone in charge there, looking at uh, at uh, Don Granato there and 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 what's going on with that Sabres core. I hope they just believe in them and just say, you know what, we're going to ride off this year and maybe the year after is where the expectations to make the playoffs, that's when they really kick into high gear. They're still in their evolution. The rebuild, I think, is still going. They look pretty good, and I think they're going to be a better team next year. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I just kind of have them on the outside looking in. I don't think they're ready yet to make the playoffs, but Hey, stranger things have happened. So yeah, I'd have, uh, I guess the senators in four and then Boston five and then Buffalo six. Okay. And then we're probably going Detroit, Montreal, seven, eight. Um, but here's the, here's the big difference in the division because, you know, maybe nothing, not much, not much changed the way we ran these teams down, Yeah, but the difference between one and first place and eighth place last year in the Atlantic division, 122 points versus 55 points. I could see it being, 115 points max and the floor being about 70 75 points with everybody else jammed in between there so i think it's going to be a hell of a division very very fun hockey very very competitive i think they're going to be jockeying per per position all year long i think we're going to see a crush can in the atlantic division which is going to make up for a better race uh and just a more competitive uh division not that they're all playing each other exclusively but you want to see these teams be a little bit closer on paper and I think we definitely have that. And I think that'll play out in the standings as well. God, remember that whole year in the pandemic where we only had to watch North division games and everyone only played against each other until the playoffs. Yeah, it was good on, uh, it was a good idea in theory. And then it, uh, it was a good idea it, for a month. And then we didn't really love it. It would have been great if it was actually competitive, but it wasn't. Mm. Yeah, and then of course, just... Montreal upset the apple card and the rest is history. Uh, in, in addition to 122 points versus 55 points, like what a 190 goal difference between the Florida Panthers and the Montreal Canadiens last year, 190 goals, an average of about what? Two and a half, 2.4 goals per game. That's crazy. Lord. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, Panthers really wet the bed last year. They really should have gone on that run and they messed up. Yeah, they did. And now it looks like um, they're going to have to do a slight retooling, I guess, to get back there, but they still got a lot of talent there. So we probably shouldn't close the door on them yet um i don't want to do the same thing for a western conference division because the western conference doesn't have the parity that i think the atlantic division and the metropolitan division will have in fact i don't know if there's even five great teams in the western conference right now so that's what we're going to do we're going to rank the number the top five teams um in the western conference that we think coming into next season because i'm not sure if we got to six seven eight we'd be talking about anyone of real substance so i'm going to assume you have colorado Number two, or number one, rather. So we'll go to number two. Who do you think the second best team is and the team that has the best chance of dethroning the Avalanche? 
until otherwise, it's Edmondson. And I think they did getting Jack Campbell, uh, I think was a necessary addition. We've been saying they need a goalie for quite some time. They still have two of the best players in the league in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, I think with the way Edmonton's built itself out until further notice, unless like St. Louis really shows up and I kind of have them in the three hole. Uh, I have Edmonton as the number two team. But I have Colorado, Edmonton, I'll say St. Louis at three. I'm trying to figure out four and five. I honestly will put, I will. Okay. You can go two, three. Give me, give me the top that. three and I'll let you just take a look at it quickly. Um, yeah. Colorado one, of course I got it in the opposite way. I think St. Louis is the second best team in the Western conference. Uh, I think if we, if they were in the Pacific division, we'd be looking at it like, okay, that's the team to watch. Um, I just, I think they just do a great job every year. Like at the, like they always put someone in the first round into their lineup. They're very, very, self-sustainable uh and i think that's just going to continue i don't know if they're the most talented team but they always find a way to keep their level and i think losing billy huso hurts um but that'll probably get jordan biddington going as well i think i believe in his bounce back ability i just think they're as steady as any other team in the western conference they're not dealing with the cap penalty that the minnesota wild are dealing with i think they're going to be very good as well but I will take St. Louis until Edmonton makes another move. I still think there's a move left there for them to do. I still think they have to get better. I don't think they're complete from their defensive core. I think they could add a body into their, into their, the meat of their lineup. So until Edmonton makes another move this off season, uh, I think Connor Brown would have been perfect for them, um, but uh, they're going to have to keep searching. And for now I have it Colorado, St. Louis, and then Edmonton with all that superstar talent and a clear path, maybe in the Pacific division for the Oilers. Okay, so four and five. Uh, I think the LA Kings mm-hmm. will end up being a solid four. I think they end up being a sure thing in the playoffs. Not just like sure thing to the point where they're going on a run, but I think playoffs should be a natural expectation for them. Normally, if they kept Johnny Gaudreau, Calgary would be in my top five. Mm-hmm. Instead, I have them six, and I put the Nashville Predators above them this year. Wow. I okay. think the fact that Philip Forsberg resigned there Good, good for them to keep him. Maybe they need to move some other things around, but Matt Duchesne seems to have found his game. The biggest reason why I'm high on the Nashville Predators, and maybe this is a very, very, very early prediction to make. I think UC Saros is going to have an amazing year with them next year. He already had himself a pretty good year last year. I think he wins the Vezina next year. I just think it's just a natural evolution in his game. Despite his size, his athleticism carries him through and he's able to make some big saves. I think goaltending might be enough to propel the natural predators from team just kind of on the outside looking in as a wildcard team to a team that uh, probably has a few more points than it really should be having. And I think UC Saros is going to be a big reason why uh, that'll be the case. So I have Nashville at five. Uh, and a really good um, back end to protect UC Saros. I mean, if you're going to win a Vesna trophy, you generally need good defensemen in front of you and getting Ryan McDonough in there uh, should be a big, uh, big opportunity for UC Saros to put up uh, huge numbers. Um, I'm going to go Minnesota four, LA five, uh, even with the Kevin Fiala move from Minnesota, LA, I still think mm-hmm. Minnesota has the edge. They're dealing with that cap recapture penalty. It's not ideal but they're a really good team. They're like St. Louis in that they're continuing to put good prospects into the system. They can sustain themselves. I think Billy Guerin's doing low key, a pretty good job. 
giving up on Cam Talbot may end up being a mistake, but they have one of the most competitive goaltenders in the league as their unquestioned number one with Marc-Andre Fleury. So I will give Minnesota the slight edge over LA and over Nashville. Uh, I think LA is going to be a very, very fun team this year and certainly one to watch in the Pacific division. Another Edmonton LA series, hopefully in the second round this time would be Mm -hmm. wonderful. Uh, Okay. Let's do the tire pumps. It's where we bestow praise on something in the hockey world or hockey world adjacent. And I'm going with Andrew Brown, who's a CBC reporter in Calgary who delivered maybe the best moment of the entire Johnny Gaudreau saga uh, signing off from his newscast. Uh, I believe it was over the weekend. Maybe it was on Friday. Um, but it was just like, I don't even want to do it because I can't deliver it like he did. But he said, and I quote, and that's the news for now. I'll be back here at 11 unless a news station in Columbus offers me way less money. And I'll probably go do that. I mean, that's just a brilliant move from a guy who's clearly a little salty, but can see a little humor in it and has taken his opportunity on live television uh, to uh, deliver a haymaker and a very good quip in his position. So I'll give him credit for that. I wanted to give Rory McIlroy a tire pump for winning the Open, the 150th that the old course at St. Andrews. But my guy, Cam Smith, beat him by Damn. two shots. So uh, that'll have to wait. Rory's major wait continues, but Andrew Brown gets my final tire pump of the 2021-22 season and season two of the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Good so on you. If you're gonna, if you're gonna give it to Andrew, you know what happened after that, right? No, what happened after that? So uh, I, I guess I'll just give the the, the tire pump uh, to, uh, and I'm sorry I don't have the specific name of the. Okay, actually I have it here. I'm giving my tire pump to Fox 28 Columbus because they saw Andrew Brown's video and they were like, you know what? We are going to offer you a contract. And they did this whole bit where they're like, you know what? If you want to come come work with us, (laughs) challenge them, call this bluff, call this bluff. And they presented this like check and it just says way less money. (laughs) They did this amazing bit, uh, basically just playing along with Andrew Brown and say, Hey, man, if you want to come to Columbus and do this, we will offer you way less money, uh, just like what happened with Johnny Goudreau. And we will show you why Columbus is worth coming to. Fox 28 Columbus, I believe, is the station that did this. So I will give them uh, my tire pump. And uh, yeah, I think they even got to like talk to him as well. Like this was, really? yeah, they did. I gotta, I, I'll, I'll, sh- I'll send you the clip. But like, yeah, I, that's what I saw first. Because I thought you were going to reference the whole thing. That's how I heard about the Andrew Brown thing. Because I saw Columbus, the Columbus station talk about it first. That is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant bit. And it, look, it's all in good fun, really. I know a lot of Calgary Flames fans are upset. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, really cool on, on Fox 28 Columbus to do that. Just some fun between news people. Not that, uh, not that there are any hard feelings on the side of Johnny Gaudreau going from Calgary to Columbus at all. I'm sure one fan base is enjoying this little back and forth a little bit better than the other one. But uh, shout out to both news stations for being involved. And shout out to you, Julian. A deserved tire pump for you. You continue to make time for me. You continue to make time for Yahoo Sports. You continue to make time in your busy schedule for us. And I say it pretty much every week, but I do do appreciate the fact that you're able to jump on every week to talk shop with me. Uh, it was fun the first season. It was more of a blast the second season. So I appreciate you, bud. And hopefully we can continue doing this. Hey, man, I want to give you some praise and love, too. I mean, this is the only reason why Tire Pumps existed, because the first <laughs> few podcasts we were doing, and we barely knew each other. We only knew each other off Zoom. We were just praising each other at, at how professional and how great we are 
uh it just in our at our jobs i guess we are (laughs) how great we are yeah uh but dude i i learn a lot from every episode that we do whether it's just about your life or just how you go about hosting stuff and and just about your character and and your presence and uh it's always a pleasure it's it's never a chore uh hopping on with you every sunday to to do these podcast recordings and uh looking forward to season three or or whatever else you want me to do man and and seeing you on zone time that is also a highlight because like yahoo sports podcast the hockey podcast that's your baby uh but but seeing you on zone time where step in your world yeah but also just i find like your 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 humor your dry humor just perfect for the show i find Mm. you're a little bit more maybe a little bit less stoic than what you would try to be on on your own time and you do such a great job you're a great compliment to everyone on zone time if the show had to have a white person Justin Cuthbert, I'm glad it is you. Um, so yeah, man, thanks so much for for putting up with me this year. And uh, you know, I'm I'm happy we're friends. I'm happy we do this podcast. Yeah, I love it, man. It's uh, it's been a lot of fun getting to know of you over Zoom. We have met once in person. Hopefully, we're able to uh, meet up again again this summer. It's always on you. I'm like I'm the lazy one here. I don't come to Montreal. You come to Toronto. Uh, but you're the young guy who's moving and shaking. I'm just like going to bed. At you're not that old though. No. But I'm getting older as these seasons go by, Julian. Season three will be... Good Lord. Good Lord. No, but this is fun again. I appreciate it. I think you guys have one more episode of Zone Time. I will not be on it. But Zone Time, there will be one more show at least this summer. Maybe it goes on. I'm not exactly sure. So then maybe I'll see you then. Um, But at least for the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast, we'll put a pin on it. In in it. Put a pin in it. I believe is how the saying goes. Until September-ish. And then we'll come back uh, and hopefully everything will be as it was. But again, Julian, I appreciate you. Thanks a lot for the whole season. Thank you for today. Uh, And as always, pleasure talking with you. Likewise, bro. Peace. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.